was with you, if you would open them with me to Exodus chapter 19. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 20. And before I read, I will say that, um, as I told you, this was one of the, the most edifying sermon preparations for me in a long time. Uh, not that others do not edify me, but this was just exceptionally edifying. Um, so I also found it very difficult to uh, fit in everything that I wanted to say into the sermon because there are so many different ways, uh, so many things that you could say uh, that is going on in this uh, in this chapter. Uh, so if uh, if you have a habit of praying for me when I preach, uh, please pray for me today as I as I preach this passage. Um, but don't pray so much that you're not paying attention to what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we're going to read verses one through twenty, and it says. Um, On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from uh, Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the household of Jacob, And tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people, and you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day, and do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day... Uh, were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that the people in the camp trembled. The Lord brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. 
the Lord came down on the mount on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called to Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then if you go to chapter 20, verse 1, you see the reason behind all this. And God spoke all these words. As, as I said, um, this is, uh, as, as I read it even today, even this morning, I, I kind of get some goosebumps just thinking about what's going on here. And so far, this is the most majestic set of passages that we have read in Exodus. And, and that is, that's the matter of opinion. That's my opinion. Um, I just look at this and I see how, how, how majestic, how powerful, how wonderful uh, the Lord is. And we're, we're getting a glimpse of it being narrated by Moses, but we're getting a glimpse of it here in Exodus 19. And we need to be very careful to understand what's going on here because I know many times, and I do it myself, I read through a certain piece of passage and I just read through it and I don't think about exactly what is occurring at that moment in time. I read through a passage like this and then you hear that, that God's presence is made known to the people and you just read through it and you're like, okay, it's just one of those stories we've always heard. But I want to challenge you this morning to not take it that way, but to see it as it's supposed to be seen as something wonderful and great. God speaks in an audible, audible voice to Moses where the people can hear. They can hear uh, God deliver this message to Moses. There are a lot of things going on. There's this trumpet blast that, that makes everybody just shake in their boots or their sandals, whatever they were wearing. They're just, they tremble because they see the majesty of the Lord. They see it all around. They sense it. There is no escaping it. It's a, it's, it's a, 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 a feeling of dread and excitement at the same time. The Lord has made himself known. He has shown his presence. He has shown his majesty to Moses and also the people of Israel. And get this, this is, not even the, this is not even the full revelation of God. For no one has ever seen God and lived, but this is, this is what God wanted to show them. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. It's, a, it's an unbelievable thing. And yet it happened because we can trust Scripture, that Scripture is true and it reveals the nature and the will of God. So, so God speaks audibly to Moses in the presence of the people. And the reason why he's doing that is very important. He wants to deliver the law. He wants to deliver them a law that reflects his character. And his character is holy. And it is a law that they are to live by. This is to guide them. And this law is to be so important to them that it is to be on their hearts. They are to think of it day and night. They are to have it as a conviction for their life. They are to teach this law diligently to their children. They are to talk of this law when they sit and when they walk and when they lie down and when they rise. That's how important this law is to be to them. It is to be so important to them that it must be a part of their daily lives. And if it is so important to them, you can get a sense of how important this law is to be for us. But my question this morning is, to start everything off, 
is this law really important to you? That's, that's my question. Is this law really important to you? And, and when, I, when I speak of the law, uh, there are several things that I could be speaking of, so I want to get specific with you today. When I say the law, I am referring to the Ten Commandments. Are the Ten Commandments really important to you? See, my goal today is to teach you and to hopefully give you a better general understanding of the Ten Commandments because we're going to talk about uh, each commandment specifically the Sundays to come. But today the goal is to give you a, a better general understanding. And, and I pray that, that the Spirit uh, teaches you and convicts you to do what God's Word has called you to do. And I, I want to take a moment just to say a quick prayer and then we'll get into uh, the sermon. Father, I just come to you right now, Father, and I pray for, I pray that you give me the words to say and help me to get out of the way. I pray that the preparation that, that has taken place this week uh, will show its fruit today, that your spirit will, will, will do what it, what it needs to do with the words that are spoken. And I also pray for my dear brothers and sisters in Christ who sit before me. I pray that their minds and their hearts are engaged to listen to the words and to, to meditate on them and to apply them to their lives. Father, we know that without you, these things are impossible, but we know that with you, all things are possible. So please help us at this given time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's a sermon summary. Uh, and by the way, if, if you're visiting here and you're saying sermon summary, what is that? Obviously, it's, it's what the sermon is about. And I, and I like to give that up front so that people know what we're going to be talking about. So the sermon summary for today is that the law is holy, righteous, and good. Because it reflects the character of God and directs his people to what is pleasing to him. I'll, I'll say it again. The law is holy, righteous, and good because it reflects the character of God and directs his people to do what is pleasing to him. Now, going back to uh, Exodus 19, right there at the foot of Mount Sinai, uh, Moses has been here before. It, it's the same old place, but it's a brand new start for them. Um, I, I was. Have you ever been... Uh, somewhere nostalgic. Have you ever had a nostalgic experience uh, coming back to a place where where something important or even life changing has happened to you? I was just talking to Pastor Laramie and Brother Creed this morning about uh, a house that I used to live in. And it, it brought up that memory just right now. This house that I used to live in with my grandparents. This was the first house I remember living in. And I used to I was I was a small toddler living in that house. And I remember uh, when I was an adult, the first time I went back, I walked and it, it, was, it, was, a, it was just a wonderful experience, an emotional experience. I, I look around at the different, the house was no longer there, but I'm looking around at everything else that's there. And I can remember, I can remember when I did this or when I did that or, or when I got spanked here or when I got spanked over there. I remember all that. But it was just an important moment in time that I can look back and I can think and I can, I can see like, man, I remember being here. And I, re and I start thinking, wow, I can't believe what the Lord has done, what he's done for me since, since, since I've been here. 
And you start to think of it and emotion overcomes you. And it's just a, a, a wonderful experience. I sense that here with Moses. Uh, the Bible says on the third new moon, Israel camped before the mountain. The third new moon translates to the third month since the Exodus. And on this third month, Moses and Israel, they reach Mount Sinai. And this is where it all started for Moses. If you remember, you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. This is where God appeared to Moses in, in, in the burning bush. He appeared to him in the burning bush in, chapter, in, in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, it refers to it as Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same mountain. They are both called the mountain of God. So this is where Moses was called, and this is where he was commissioned to speak to Pharaoh and to, to lead the people out of Egypt. And on that day when the Lord called Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he gave him a promise. Turn back with me, Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Keep your place in Exodus 19, but turn back with me to chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. I want you to see the promise that the Lord gave to Moses. He tells him this, But I will be with you, and this shall be your sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. On this mountain. God had already promised him, hey, I, I have this before you. And if you remember Moses' uh, reaction when God called him, he's like, who, me? Wait a second, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I don't speak well enough. I, he, he gives him all these excuses. And he, how am I going to do this? And the Lord said, you're just the vessel. You're just a vessel, and I'm going to give you a sign today. When you do what I tell you that you're going to do, I'm going to meet you back at this mountain and you are going to worship me. That's going to be the sign. Well, we're here. Exodus 19, we're at the foot of Mount Sinai. This is happening. So this is not just uh, something that happens all the time. This is a very important event in the time of Israel and it's a time of worship for them. And it is here, it is here where it all started that the Lord establishes a covenant with the Israelites. And he does this before giving them the law. In verse 3, we read that the Lord called Moses out of the, out of the mountain. And Moses here is used as a mediator between God and the Israelites. And what I mean by mediator is basically someone who, who stands in between. Someone who stands in between two parties. And we can see the role, the, the active role that Moses is playing here. He's, he's foreshadowing Christ as the mediator between God and the church. This is what it means for, for Christ to say that he is interceding on our behalf. He is our mediator. He is what is between us and God. But Christ is greater than Moses, and the Bible is very sure to explain that. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, I'm not going to read them, but if you're taking notes, you can write that passage down and go back and read it later. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1, to, 1 through 6 the Bible explains that Christ was greater than Moses, than any type. Moses was just a type of Christ. Moses was just pointing us to the one who would come to be the real mediator between God and God's people. Now, as a mediator, Moses is to communicate the conditions 
they must follow and the blessings they will receive if they follow the conditions. I like to say, I like to borrow from uh, my, my dear friend, Pastor Callie. Pastor Callie says here, when he talks about the covenant of works, he says in the Old Testament, uh, the, 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 the condition was do this and live. That's the condition. Follow this law and live. And that's exactly what, um, what Moses is telling the people here. Look at Exodus 19 verses 4 through 6. You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That is the the condition there. And I want you to notice the covenant language. Use and eyes. How many of them are there in there? There are plenty. Use and eyes. God, God is, is saying this is an agreement between you as, as, as my people and myself. And this was a, a binding agreement that the Lord was making with Israel. If they followed these conditions, then they would be considered kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, how would they be that? Well, the only way that they could be a holy nation is that they had a standard to live by. So the condition was follow, follow my rules and you will be blessed. And, and then he reveals the Ten Commandments and he says here, this is what you are to follow. And when we look at the law, uh, the law was revealed to the people and it was basically in, it given to them in two major sections what we call two tables. There are two tables to the law. The first table, it contains the first four commandments, right? So what are they? Well, you should have no other God. I'm I'm just going to give a a brief description of each. You should have no other God. Uh, You should have no idols. Uh, You should uh, not use the Lord's name in vain, and that you should keep the Sabbath day holy. Those are the, the first four laws that are contained on the first uh, table. Now, notice those laws, how, how they connect us to God. They deal with our relationship with God, each one of those, how we should interact with God, how we should worship God. Those are, those are the things that they relate to. Those are what we call vertical commandments because they are, between, they are binding between us and God. Now, on the second table, these are the last six commandments. He says, you shall honor your father and mother. You do not murder, uh, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, or do not covet. Now, we see something there, too. There is a consistency there. The second table, they deal with relationships with each other, how we are to interact with each other, how we are to treat one another. These are what we call horizontal commandments because they deal with creature, creature to creature. The vertical are creator to creature. The horizontal are creature to creature. This is how we should live. This is the foundation on how we should live. Now, God gives them these commandments. And if the Israelites would have followed the Ten Commandments, the Bible tells us plenty of times that they would have enjoyed the blessings of a new land. God was bringing them to a new land full of uh, uh, full of just everything they needed, 
of milk and honey, right? That was the illustration that was given to them. They would have enjoyed the blessings of a new land. They would have had no enemies. Why? Because no one would have been able to stand against them. Because the Lord was for them. They would have had no enemies. They would have had an abundance of children. Why? Because children are a blessing from the Lord. They would have had riches. And they would have been free to worship the one true God without any issues. See, the Ten Commandments, they reflected the character of God. And if followed, it would have set them apart from everybody else. Everybody else. They would have been known as God's people and people would have known it. There would have been no doubt. There would have been no doubt that they were a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And even though the Lord owned everything, and he says that in in our passage that we read, I own all. And even though he owned all, yet Israel was to be a particular people for his glory. They were chosen and dearly loved. Now, I do want to pause here and, and, and interject something, I, something that's very important for us to notice. We, we, have to, we have to notice what's going on here. And I want to ask you a question. What does this look like? Does this, whatever is going on here in cha- Exodus chapter 19, does it remind you of something? And I'll give you a hint. It, doesn't it remind you of going back all the way to Genesis? Doesn't it remind you of the Garden of Eden? God dwells in their presence. He gives them conditions to uphold. He promises blessings if they uphold them. If they do not, they will receive curses instead of blessings. They are to enjoy their labor. They are to to live free of of any issues, of any trouble. You see, God is leading them to lead them back, leading them back to a garden-like scene, to have a people for His own possession, completely committed to pleasing Him. But we always have that, right? We always have that when it comes to us. That that but, like Adam and Eve, the people fell to live according to what was pleasing to the Lord. That's why we continue to have trouble today. They, they, they failed to do that. But thanks be to God that he, he already worked out a plan to do what the people were powerless to do. Thanks be to God for that. Turn to Jeremiah with me. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah is considered a major, uh, one of the major prophets uh, in the Bible, and it's right after Isaiah. I know I caught you kind of off guard with Jeremiah 31, but Jeremiah 31, and we're going to read verses uh, 31 through 34. Gives us some insight of what what the Lord has prepared, had already had prepared, what what he had already had prepared. Uh, 
Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I have made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, as we said, right? God gave them the commandment, told them to live by it, and you will be blessed. That's all you have to do. And obviously they failed to do that. They failed to do that just like Adam and Eve failed to do that. So he says, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's the plan he had set in place because he he knew that. Obviously, he knew that 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 uh, Israel would not be able to live up to the Ten Commandments. So. Now we've talked about this plan that God has in place. Now let's bridge the gap between the, new, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is where it comes to us today, and this is the reason why we're here to, to hear this. Uh, the Ten Commandments as they apply to New Testament believers. Now we have a, a general understanding of how they apply to Old Testament believers. They are to practice them and be blessed for that. That's the way they were to do it. They were to follow them and practice them and to be blessed blessing like as pastor Callie says you must do this and live now for us see the perfect law that the Israelites couldn't keep this is very important God sent his son to keep it perfectly and die as a sacrifice for our sins second Corinthians 5 21 says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, in Christ, the law took on a whole new meaning for us. For the believer, it no longer was a condition to follow in order to receive God's blessings. It's no longer a condition. It's no longer do this and live. That's not the way we should look at the Ten Commandments If we did, that would be a covenant of works. That would mean we would have to earn that in which we receive. Rather, God's blessings are now received by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When we come to believe, we get the greatest blessing of all. There is no beating that. We are truly blessed in every way whenever we are given saving faith, when we come uh, to God by grace through faith in Christ and in Christ. Unlike the first Adam, Christ, who is called the last Adam, was tempted in every way. He was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. He did what we were powerless to do, and that is follow the law perfectly. Now, 
Now we are to consider, uh, now we are considered righteous because of our faith in Christ. Now this is extremely important and this is something that you really have to get because this changes everything for us and how we apply the Ten Commandments to our lives. It does not take away how important they are. They are still extremely important to the New Testament church. So, but the New Testament church, we follow the law not to live, but because we have already been given life. That's the difference. The New Testament church does not follow the law in order to live, but we follow the law because we have, it, we have already been made alive in Christ. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and, and again, you don't have to turn there, but you can just write this down. If you want to turn there, please do. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, you see covenant-like language from Peter. And, and Peter, Peter is, is, it's as if the, the words that Peter are writing are, are, are looking back at the past in this moment in Exodus chapter 19. And this is what Peter says to the church in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You, you get it, right? Just like what Moses was talking about, the, the, the message that Moses, Moses was to speak to the Israelites. So he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So as we read that, we must understand that for us, the Ten Commandments, they still matter. We are, nothing has changed. We are still his chosen race. We are still his royal priesthood. We are still his holy nation. We are still a people for his own possession. We are still that. And if we are going to be that, if we are to be holy as he is holy, then there, we must have a standard that we must live by. There must be something that directs us to what God wants us to do, something that directs us to his will, something that directs us to things that please him, and the Ten Commandments do that for us. And since we have been made a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession in Christ, we are to live according to what pleases him. We are to live according to the Ten Commandments. Us living, according to, uh, us living according to his perfect law pleases him. But the problem is, is that many, many within the Christian church have abandoned the law. They have discarded the law. Because we get very cautious about the law, we start thinking that we have to follow the law, these rules, and we're like, oh, I do not want to be religious. I don't want to be religious. For, for some reason, religion has a negative connotation to it, and, and it doesn't. You cannot worship God appropriately without being religious. I, I hate to tell you that. But some people are like, oh, I don't want to be considered religious. I don't want to be called a holy roller. I don't want to, whatever it is, right? I, 
I, I don't want people to think that I'm more pious than everybody else, that I think I'm too good. Whatever it is, we have discarded the law. And we have, Christians today have tried to replace the Ten Commandments, the law, the perfect law of God, with a different law. And it's the law of love. Jesus just tells me to love. If I just love, then, then everything's okay. But the problem is, you cannot just love because you don't know what love is, right? God directs us to what love is. Love in action is following the perfect law that God has given us. That is love in action. The church, for some reason, has just gotten away from it. And, and I can tell you, I think the majority of Christians do not even have the Ten Commandments memorized. They, they don't even have it memorized. They can tell you maybe five, six, seven of them, and then the rest are, they're struggling to get. But that's an issue. You know why that's an issue? Because the Ten Commandments reflect his character. It's the standard, by, by, it, it's the standard that we should live by. It is what guides us to what is pleasing to him. If we don't even know the Ten Commandments, then how can we even start pleasing him? Is, is, is his law, is it on our minds? Do we, do we focus on it? Do we think about it? When we sin, does the Ten Commandments come to mind so that, that, that you did not live up according, you didn't live according to the way God has asked you to live? Again, we're not doing this to be saved. I don't want to push that agenda. I don't want you to think that I am. I'm not saying that we have to do this and be saved. What I'm saying is that we should do this because he has given us life. We should follow the Ten Commandments because it is, it is, it is worship to God. It is what pleases him. Some people, let's say you have an issue with lying. It's just a small issue, but it's not. If it were a small issue, why does, why does God say do not lie? There's so many in our churches today that, that they, they, just people just practice sin and are okay with it. There doesn't seem to be any conviction in their heart about failing God's standard. And that is not of God. See, the reason why I bring this up is because I want us to realize that the Ten Commandments are still very important and we need to look back at them all the time. I tell you what, I've, I've, I have a new found respect for the Ten Commandments that I didn't have before. Because there was some of that going on inside of me too. About, oh, I, I, I got to be careful not, about not being legalistic. I don't want to be legalistic. It's not about being legalistic. Because I know the purpose of the commandments for us. I know that I can't live perfectly to them. But it's okay, I have a Savior who has lived perfectly to them. But yet, these commandments are to guide me in my life. They are to show me what pleases God. And if I want to be holy as he is holy, if I, if I want to be considered a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a chosen race, then, then this is the standard in which I must live by. And when I don't live by that way, I must repent, 
I must dust off my clothes, I must get back up, and I must try again. So yes, the Ten Commandments still matter to us. Because they are pleasing to him. And Jesus, I I, want to leave us with a couple of passages. Jesus even summed it up this way. This is very important. Some people think that Jesus came and that he established a new law. Just because he mentions uh, what the two greatest commandments are. People say, oh, okay, now we live under the commandment of loving. But listen, this is what he says in uh, Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. He says, they ask him, what, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? He says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And people say, oh, look, see, there's the Ten Commandments. They go away, and now these are the two that we have to follow. Listen, these two are a description of the ten. That's all they are. When Jesus says that the, the greatest commandment is that you should love your Lord to God with Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, he's pointing back to the first table. He's saying you should follow the first four commandments. Now that's what he's telling us to do. If you if you love God, then go after the first four commandments. You want to know what the greatest commandment is? Go after those four. Those are the vertical commandments between you and God. Worship him appropriately the way he says he wants to be worshipped. The second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's just a second table. That's how God wants you to treat each other. Go back to the last six commandments. Live by them. That's what I have given you to guide you in this life. I I was going to end there. I had finished preparing my sermon and I looked at my clock last night and I said, oh man, I haven't, I haven't had my, my study with Jonah. Jonah's been walking through 1 John and I've given him an assignment. I wanted him to, to read 1 John and, and read a paragraph at a time and just walk through it, take his own notes, come back and talk to me. And I did that last night and I had a great surprise because, um, Jonah's reading assignment last night was 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And this is the way I want to end this service. Anyway, I, I told him, go read it. He comes up to me. I said, oh, you know what? Today, God's awesome. <laughs> Just because his providence is awesome. Because I, I don't normally tell him, I want you to read it to me. I tell him, go to your room, you read it, and come back and we'll talk about it. But last night, I said, why don't you read it to me? And then we'll talk about it. Jonah starts reading it. I won't give any further explanation. You'll catch it yourself. Second, uh, first uh, John chapter two, verses one through six. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, 
In him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That, that's one of those drop the mic moments by God. Like, boom. There, there's, like, there's your sermon closing. I didn't have to work very hard for it. He gave it to me. I hope those words, that passage does what it needs to do in your heart. Let's pray.